Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. This week on the show, my guest is John. I met John because he contacted me to be on his podcast called A is for Alcoholic. Actually, we've been in the same room at meetings together. We're in recovery together, but we're kind of just in each other's periphery. And recently we've gotten together and I've been on his podcast and and then I asked him to be on mine. So long story longer. Let's listen to John. Let's meet John because he's going to be our awesome guest this week. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Well, John, welcome to Radio Rehab. Thank you. Doing a little bit of like cross podcasting because mm-hmm. I was on your podcast, AS for Alcoholic, and I said, okay, but you have to be on mine too. I think it's a fair trade. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so I want to start by talking about your background. Um, I know we're similar links of sobriety. I think you have a couple months more than me. Something like that. So... Yeah, I'm I'm working with let's let's see it's July 6th, 2015. So That's your date? That's my date. Um there were so but it's not the last time I I accidentally a couple of times took a like a sip. And so but because there was no intention of drinking, that's kind of what I, I and I'll tell you I'll tell you all about that as well. One of them was in a butterscotch pudding I had no no idea about. Um, pudding. <laughs> There's bo- I know it's so funny because the couple times that's happened to me where I've eaten something, people, everybody was like, how did you of all people not know? And I'm like, because I didn't eat dessert to get booze. I drank straight out the <laughs> yeah. bottle. That's how I didn't know. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that's, that's my date, July 6, 2015. Um, Got it. Yeah. And the other two times, the two times there was no intention of getting drunk. So I just... I don't count that. I know that there might be some people who are a little more strict about it or um, well, purists. Well, I mean, there was no intention. That's kind of my sponsor goes by that, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when that happened, did it wake the disease up? Did it, What? how was your head? Yes. So the first time I actually, I was with a friend who was still drinking. It was only, I literally like maybe two months into this thing. And we go to we go to get some lunch and we go sit at the bar because that's normal and I, whatever I've mm. done that for a million million times, and the bartender and I know each other and he kind of slides this drink in front of us that he was working on, and it was it was it was not even I wasn't even thinking about it immediately I took like a straw taste and I put it in my mouth, and so again this is like five or six weeks into it, uh-huh. and I was like all of a sudden I became hot and flushed and right. I freaked out. <laughs> and I was like, because I didn't, it, I literally did not even think about it. It just happened. Like I watched my hand go in for this straw taste because I'm just going to taste a drink because that's what I do. And I've, I've been a bartender for 15 years. I tend bar right now. And it freaked me out. And I was really concerned about what I was going to have to do. And do I have to start all over or am I just going to, you know what it was. But I went home and drank some water and said, I'm not doing that again. And uh-huh. it was so, but it was, it was terrifying that it was so easy that oh, yeah. it, I didn't have to think about it. And, um, so I didn't consider that a slip. And then the second time was some literal butterscotch pudding that I ate and I felt the same rush, 
in my in my brain and in my face my skin got flushed and and so uh it, i'm very cautious about when i go out to eat or i'm at somebody's house what's in what and you know i'm not too i try not to be too hardcore about things but i don't i certainly don't want to ingest any alcohol it's not i'm not interested in it Right. I mean, for me, it's like, I don't want to wake up the demon because that happened. I got a dessert. It was like fried bananas and ice cream. And not to mention, I also was told by somebody that alcohol cooks out a food. Mm-hmm. So like there's no alcohol. So just none of this ever occurred to me. And I um, ate the food and there was like a good amount of alcohol in it. And I was like buzzed and what sucked was there was three days of all I could think about was alcohol even though I had 18 months sober it was off that's how I know the disease is alive and well waiting for me to put just a little drop in there so it can go you know what you don't need to be sober (laughs) yeah because that's what that's what my head tells me let's go back to the beginning When, when did you start well um I would say there was there was a the very first drink I had, the very first time I ever tasted alcohol, I was very young, but it was growing up. My father was, um, he was an alcoholic. He was very sick all of his life. He was on a lot of medications. Um, he was not all mentally there. And I just remember spilling a bottle of white wine in the fridge and it had soaked a bunch of food. And, um, there was like this bag of bean sprouts and it was soaked in wine and he made me eat them. Yeah. Wow. So, and I, I, I'm trying to remember, I think like sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. So what does that make you like 12 or something? 11 sixth or 12? Grade. Yeah, I would say 12, 11 or 12. So that was 11 or 12. And, um, I don't remember like getting drunk or anything like that. I've, I've just, I've tried to trace all these memories back <laughs> and, yeah. um, but the first time, so that was pretty heavy and, and, and that, and that didn't really do anything for me, except it was just an awful experience. But so there was a lot of this that happened growing up with my dad. Um, it wasn't until high school until probably junior year so 16 or 17 years old i remember ditching class and going to a friend's house and they had a record player and we were listening to the beatles white album and they had all these their parents his parents had all these liquor bottles and so we would you know pour a little jack daniels and then fill it back up with iced tea and do that whole business and the (laughs) vodka and water and i just remember thinking this is amazing you know this and i remember the song blackbird playing you know take -hmm. these broken wings and fly I've been waiting for this moment to arrive, to arise or whatever. And so I just remember having this amazing time that afternoon and going, this is, this is it. This is the feeling. And that was, that was it. So it was, it was that. Um, And actually even before then, I used to, uh, I used to take antihistamines when they used to, they would, they would get you high. So even at 14 or 15, they would kind of get your kind of fuzzy medicine head feel. Oh yeah, like uh, uh, Benadryl uh-huh. and Dep- not Depakote, Dimetap. Yeah, Dimetap. Dimetap. So I remember, I remember yeah. doing that, and then even before alcohol, um, my dad had somas, which are muscle relaxers, yeah. and so I would swipe those. And I remember in ninth grade going into geometry class at nine in the morning, and I would take it like 10 minutes before I left geometry class because the next class was driver's ed and I didn't need to worry about driver's ed. So I would be high for like an hour and <laughs> you know, it was, but those, those kind of behaviors and then the alcohol uh-huh. came along 
And I, I, that was it. You know, I, I, as soon as we graduated, I graduated high school, I moved in with my mom who was in California. Then my, my parents were split up and I stayed there in Southern California for a year and I was drinking all the time and drinking with friends and only 18, 19 and always finding somebody to buy it for you. It was never that hard. And then I moved up to the Pacific Northwest and spent 15 years in Oregon and in Seattle and always, I mean, every single social event, every, not even social, every single night alone was how can we get alcohol? How can we get beer and wine and liquor and, you know, so yeah. That was it was happened as as early as I can remember, you know, that's that that first time and drinking all through my teenage years and all through my 20s. And it was awesome. Right. I mean, it was I didn't yeah. I didn't know any better and it was all that I knew. So I didn't really think like maybe I should be doing something with my life or these were important years to be building on or saving money or going to school. There was occasional uh, fits and spurts of going into college and taking classes at community colleges. But I mean, it was always what kind of fun can we have? Because it was fun. So, yeah. I, I, you know, that was that was 19, 20, 21. So that would have been 98. And we all moved in, all of my friends, we moved into this big house and it just became this place where we could do whatever we wanted. It was, it was, it was kind of a joke, but they used to call it Planet of the Apes because <laughs> we were just a mess. You know, it didn't matter. And you could come over and anybody could, we could, you could find anything you wanted there. You know, right. somebody would be coming through with something or somebody would know somebody. And so there was absolutely nothing was, was off limits. Did you notice a difference at that point where there was there a separation or a difference between the people who maybe were addicts and alcoholics and then the people who weren't going, OK, I think we've partied enough or was. Yes, I, I, I found myself drawn to the addicts and the people yeah. who were <laughs> the people would leave. You know, it was my house. And it's that was another thing that was still up when the sun comes <laughs> up and you keep going. Those are your friends. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, you know, the, my friends were the ones that would stay up until three 30 and then everybody else would go and we'd be like, okay, let's do some more. And what do you have and what's going on? Yep. And, and sometimes all we'd have is booze and that was enough. And that would keep us up. And, you know, we would be like, okay, well the store Safeway opens at seven so we can go and get more. All we got to do is stay awake until seven and we can drink further and further and further. Yeah. So, and this was in Oregon. So mushrooms were, were, plentiful and LSD was plentiful uh -huh. and there was a lot of that. So I remember eating acid and eating mushrooms and staying up until eight in the morning and coming down and drinking cheap beer just to come down and feel yeah. normal. So there was definite divide between the people who would go home and my friends who were all, and I, I, I mean, I can't speak for every single one of them, but there was definitely addictive behavior. There were alcoholics, there were drug addicts there that, um, that I was drawn to and excited to be a part of. Yeah, because it's like you finally found your scene. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, that's how it was for me. It's like when I finally, when I was hanging out with people who, you know, and the few people started to come out of the woodwork who wanted to do the whole night 
and it was like, oh, there you are. You know, like, where have you been? Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely had a lot like those are my people. But even like at the end, I felt like those people were like, you're too much to me. You know, they were like, OK, to, we've done this for like, you know, 36 hours straight. We're going to go to bed. You're crazy. And I'm like, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there- it's like another I will. Let's put another day into this. Sure. If I if I didn't have anything to do or even even if I did, I I remember I remember going to I worked at some coffee shop cafe and I had to go wait tables at like eight o'clock on a Sunday morning. And I was coming down off of LSD and chugging, you know, Milwaukee's best in the car the morning before (laughs) thinking like I had to put on a button up shirt and and a paisley tie thinking that that was somehow going to hide this, you know, thing that I had become. But I didn't care. And then it was like, okay, I just got to work for eight hours and I get off work. And the first thing was, let's go get some more. I would, I remember my routine was to work in the morning from like eight until I don't know, two or three, I would go home. I would take a quick nap and for like maybe an hour and Mm -hmm. we would, I would get up and we would do it all over again until four in the morning. Ah, So it was youth. (laughs) <laughs> right i couldn't like, imagine hearing now. that right now my body just feels tired i'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah it's 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 not the same at all um but that went on for a really long time and you know i don't want to i can't say that there weren't some good times in there right but oh, there yeah. was if there weren't good times we wouldn't have done it <laughs> mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah it's not all bad it just becomes bad mm-hmm and there was a lot of um well i'll just say that there were un, there were issues that went unresolved for a very long time mm-hmm. so when it started to become less fun when problems began to overtake and then those issues kind of just festered and were never were never taken care of you know yeah um and i remember so those are like getting into my 20s and I think around 28, I finally got a job at a bar, which I thought was like the best thing in the world. Like I have arrived. It was so cool, you know, because it was my favorite bar. And I remember I was at a show at the Crocodile, which is like super cool, hip Seattle, you know, um, venue. And so after the show, I walked down and I'm talking to the bartender and she says, we need somebody to check IDs this weekend. And she says, write your name on this pad. And and I gave her my name, my number, and I had a job that next that next weekend. And so now I was I was in it. I was yeah. I was a part of it. It was exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was close to the booze, which I think was also a thing. So right. Like so that in the was middle of it. Mm-hmm. Like nightlife. Mm-hmm. So and I loved it. I was excited. I loved going to work. I loved working nights. I loved staying up late anyway. And I wouldn't necessarily. Well, I was gonna say I wouldn't drink on the job. I didn't drink on the job at first. But there were nights where I was sent home because I was I had been drinking all day, thinking that I could handle myself. Oh, and they knew. Oh yeah, they and they. She was kind about it, and she said, "John, you need to go home, and we'll talk about this." And you know, and then I would kind of straighten out for a little while and it was just back and forth and back and forth. And when I started bartending, then it was, this was it. This was my full form. I was a bartender. I was in control of the booze. I could drink when I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I could, I could dole it out. I could take it home. Nobody needed to know. It was all, it was, it was, it was acceptable. It was encouraged even, 
I worked for people in the past where the owners were the ones who were chopping up lines in the kitchen and saying, yeah. you know, we're going to party. <laughs> the marching <laughs> and, powder to keep mm-hmm, the party going. Yes. So that that was that was into my 30s. And I, I think somewhere around there, uh, the, the hangover started to be almost unmanageable. Almost is when they started to get exponentially worse. And they would take a day or two sometimes to kind of let go or to, to move on. And, um, but it didn't, it didn't matter cause I didn't have to work until what seven the next night. Mm-hmm. So you get up late two in the afternoon, go have some lunch. You have a couple of drinks before shift and you do it all over again and just repeat. And that became, that became my routine for 10 or 12 years. Wow. Something like that. Um, yeah. And I thought when I moved to California, things would change. I did the, the geographic. I didn't necessarily wasn't running from anything. I just had an opportunity and I thought, Hey, I'll move to California. And that's, I think now that I had moved away from any sort of friends or connections or, you know, I hadn't, I had nobody, I was completely alone. And I found that that's when more of the drinking alone and not just not going out, but just staying in, mm-hmm. you know, was it kind of, was that like your first geographic of like, I don't like the way I feel. Hopefully I'll leave my feelings here and I'm just going to, you know, uproot and move to California. Well, no, I mean, one, I wanted to get in high school. I wanted to get away from my father. So I moved to Southern California. Right. Then I had a friend who said, Hey, let's move to Oregon. And I was like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just thrown up on the carpet of my mom's, you know, house. Like it was just, it was not good. And so sure, let's go. And so we went to Eugene and then I was in a terrible, terrible, terrible relationship. Much of it, my fault. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was time to leave. So I said, okay, I'll go. And at that point, my mom was in Seattle and she said, you can come stay in my room. And I thought, oh. This is just like before, and I'll figure it out once I get up there. And and then Seattle had kind of just, it had run its course. I was really not happy with anything. And yeah, I thought, okay, here's somebody who is offering me a job. So every single step along the way, I wasn't making any decisions of my own other than saying somebody was saying, hey, come here. I've got a place for you to stay. Come here. I've got a job for you. And so I you were more just going with it. the flow than it was a geographic yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't necessarily running directly from anything, but in that that move to California was the one where I started just drinking on the couch by myself. It was the one where I would get bottles of vodka, which ended up. I mean, I would drink anything. I was mm-hmm. very much when I was a bartender, I was thought it was so cool to go out and try new stuff. And I used to joke and say that I took a passion and turned it into a profession, you know, <laughs> and which sounds a little, you know, sad now to look back on it. But, you know, at the time I thought I was super cool. And so I would drink all kinds of stuff because it was research. I had right. to know. Oh, yeah. And good um, field research. Mm hmm. I, I remember taking a friend of mine out and he the actually the co-host of of the podcast that I do. And he and I are not only co-hosts, but we're best friends and we drank together for a very long time. And I remember he was beam and coke kind of guy. And that was it. Beam and coke, right. beam and coke. 
And I said, man, you got to try this Armagnac and it's from this region of France and blah, blah, blah. And he took what it's like, it was like $17 for a glass of it. He took one sip and spit it out all over the bar. Like this is disgusting. And so I was really into, I really wanted to be like craft cocktail dude, you know? <laughs> and right. And then there I was years later, just sitting on the couch and smoking cigarettes and drinking, you know, Stoli straight from the bottle warm and chasing mm -hmm. it with warm bottles of beer. Um, yeah. And that was, yeah, that was here in California. And that's when I, that's when I really started to feel like that, that feeling of like, this is hell and I can't get out and it keeps repeating itself. And I don't know what else to do except go find more to drink. Thanks so much to John for being on the show. And thanks to you for listening. If you're a first time listener, we've got like 200 episodes in the bank that you could be listening to. Please like and subscribe and rate us because that stuff really helps. And the more people who get to hear this podcast, the better because it's really part of my heart. It makes me really happy uh, to see that you guys are listening to it. And if you know somebody who wants to be on Radio Rehab or if you want to be on Radio Rehab, our email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511 even when we're not in studio. And it's at Radio Rehab Dana in all the social places. Today's show left off with John basically hitting step one. John has now realized that he's powerless over alcoholism, that he can't control it. It will only control him. Tune in for tomorrow's show to find out where his journey takes him and how he gets sober. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back.